family of faith, I wanted to take some time to talk to you about the Thanksgiving offering. Some of you might already have heard that we're looking at doing a sound system upgrade. Unfortunately, it's been dropping out in literally some of our services, and some of you have heard it. Um, but it's quite a bigger problem than we thought. Thank God that what we have has lasted as long as it has, but this is gonna be done in two phases. One, starting with our Thanksgiving offering, and then we're gonna go ahead and go on to phase two with our second offering next year that we take up at Easter. Both of these will be taken and used for in-house upgrades. This is all gonna go towards our sound system, and you say, wow, that's a lot of cash. It is, it's a big project. But we as a church are ready for it. We are prepared. We're asking you to join with us and help do what you can do, and we're believing God that He will do the rest. So thank you for prayerfully considering what you and your family can do for such a time as this. What did it look like? Come on, you're like 50 years old. You should know how pie looks. 50? Oh, come on. Can you even count to 50? Uncle Jeff, I got some questions for you. Yes? Why do we have turkey on Thanksgiving? Because when cooked properly, every four or five years, it's delicious. Okay, so then why would we have green bean casserole then? Touche. Why does it have a whip plate? But that's the pie. Ah, clearly it's not stopping you. Why did mom have a full plate of stuffing when she's on keto? Because carbs are comforting. Why can't I just lick my plate? If I'm in charge of the dishes, I actually encourage that. Why are there no unicorns in the Bible? Why am I not allowed to sit close to the TV? Why does water taste different in Nana's house? Why isn't Grandpa allowed to have salt? Why is gravy brown? Why am I not allowed to touch the air freshener? Why does Cooper pick his nose so much? Why does Mom call me by my sister's name? Why do we plant all the time? Why can't I eat grass? Why can't I sit in Dad's chair? Why is Sunday school called Sunday school? Why do cows have four stomachs? Why do parents whisper when they get mad? Why do old people write in person? Why do babies have no teeth? Why is baseball so boring? Why do fish have no lungs? Why is Thanksgiving before Christmas? I know why. You know why what? I know why Thanksgiving comes right before Christmas. <sighs> okay, tell me. Why does Thanksgiving come right before Christmas? Because it reminds us to be thankful that God sent us Jesus. <laughs> I never thought of that before. <laughs> I like that. All right, now. Hit me with some of that whipped cream, girl. <sighs> oh, that's good. Um, I haven't had my face. I'm okay. <laughs> okay. Well, good evening, Only Believe family. Isn't it so good to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Amen. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, it's good to see you here tonight. 
And while you do that, we want to welcome all of you live streamers. It's so good to have you joining with us tonight. If you're on tonight, we would love for you to hit that share button. You just never know who uh, could be touched by this message tonight. So why don't you do that for us? And so uh, also I want to welcome any guests here tonight. If you are a first-time visitor, there's a card in the back of the pew. If you would just fill that out for us, take it on out to the Welcome Center. We would just love to meet you and get connected with you. Um, the only announcement I have tonight is if you have any newspapers whatsoever, um, we're doing a project here at the church, so if you could just bring those in with you when you come on Sunday on our Wednesday, drop them off back at the Welcome Center, we would love for you to do that, it's just something cool we're doing, and so if you just have any of those laying around, we would love to have them. So, all right, well, if you guys will stand on your feet tonight, we're going to get into worship, but I'm going to go ahead and pray. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for this night, just to come together as the body of Christ, Lord. We just ask, God, that you will be in every part, Father God, of this night, Lord. We just ask, God, that you will touch this worship, God, that your presence will come and just fall in this place tonight, Father God. And we are here, Father God, just to glorify your name, Lord. And we just ask, God, that you will anoint the message, God, anoint all the conversations in the small groups tonight, God. We know this is the final one of this semester, Lord. We just thank you, God, for everything that you've been doing through these small groups, God. And we just know, Lord, Jesus, that you are just touching the hearts and the lives of the people here tonight, God, and we just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Death to freedom on the cross. You took the pain and place for us. A fear is lost and love has won.
kingdom breaking out we raise our voices loud here right now here right now can you hear the sound of freedom breaking out we raise our voices loud here right now here right now
And Jesus, the only one who could ever say, You're worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in love to those around me.
mountain, amen? The rock that does not move, hallelujah. Well, it's giving time here at Only Believe. We, it's not something that we do because we're required, but it's something that we get to do, amen? Giving is a part of our relationship with Christ. It's a part of our devotion to our God and what we worship and what we serve. But tonight, I know that we're all thinking about one thing, and that's Thanksgiving on Thursday. Can I be real? Is anyone not thinking about what has to be done about Thanksgiving, right? But I was thinking about how does that pertain to us in our giving? You know, we often talk about the tithe. We often talk about what it means and God asks us to do and what it means to be blessed and when we do, what all that happens. But I look at the offering of Thanksgiving, not the offering, the offering of Thanksgiving. And tonight, this is what I, I wanted to remind us, that our gratitude often comes out in our attitude, in the way we give. And that sometimes we need, you know, it's easy to be thankful for what we have. It's easy to be thankful for the house we live in and the car that we drive and that we have a job, right? But how often do we thank God for the money that he's allowed us to steward? Did you hear me? Allowed us to steward. Because remember, everything on this earth is his. And he asked you and I to rule over it, have authority, and subdue it. Every bit of that, right? And then he said, but in return, I'm asking for 10% back to take care of my house, which was the church. So I read 2 Corinthians 9th chapter 7 and 8 tonight. And this is what has to do, I feel, with the heart of gratitude. It says that each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you would abound in every good work, as it is written. I have freely scattered the gifts to the poor and the righteousness endures forever. So here's what I want to do tonight. Just challenge you that as you give, it may be your tithe. It might be the Thanksgiving offering that you want to give now because you're not going to be here on Sunday. That's fine. But tonight, offer Thanksgiving. Offer Thanksgiving as you give tonight. It's a part of our attitude and what we do. And people that are grateful are not stingy. People that are grateful are not reluctant givers and they're not nasty about their giving. They're joyful and cheerful in what they do. Amen. So tonight I say we get to give. It is an honor to give, right? Amen. Father, we just come before you in the name of Jesus and God, we just, every, every time I give, Lord, I say I count it an honor to give unto the kingdom and to do the things that you ask me to do. Father, I ask you tonight, God, that we would not give out of compulsion, Father, or reluctancy, but Father, we would give with what you've already asked us to give. Father, we've purposed in our heart, but Father, that your word would not return void to us. And Father, that which you said it would come to accomplish, Father, it shall do in each and every one of our lives, and it shall supply all that we have need of. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. You can bring your tithes and offerings, and you're also dismissed to small groups.
Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So nice to see our Kenton campus song leader out here, Miss Linda. Good to have you at the main campus. Yes, amen. I'm the only one that clapped on that. Okay, that's fine. Thank you, Miss Linda. <laughs> that's great. Thank you, band. Praise the Lord. I'm thankful for you. Hallelujah. Without you, I don't know if the Holy Spirit would ever be ushered into this place. <laughs> no, he would. Man, y'all are spread out again tonight. Wow, that's amazing. It's awesome. Huh? No, I've asked y'all to come closer before, and y'all just don't do it. So you just stay right there. I'll look around. This is good. I need the exercise to walk around. Praise the Lord. <laughs> uh, this is our last home group, or home group, huh, small group tonight. So this is the last small group, and we're going to take a 30-day break. And then uh, we'll resume in January for our small groups. And I do believe that probably the 1st of December, you'll be able to go online again at Only Believe, um, and you'll be able to find the new uh, small group list. And I think we're having even more small groups, correct? Every time we meet, we have some more subject, new small groups, new leaders, new teachers. So, man, it's, we're just pumped. Hallelujah. I can't wait till we get 50. Man, is that going to be amazing? 50 small groups. Woo! Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right, well, if you have your Bibles tonight, um, you can turn with me to the Luke, the, the book of Luke, and, um, you know, tell your, neighbor this, tell your neighbor this evening, I'm thankful for you. Just look at them. Some of you may have to yell from one end to the other of the pew. You know? <laughs> George, you may have to yell way over there. <laughs> I'm thankful for you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Tuesday night. Turkey Tuesday is what we call it. Before I start my message, too, I also want to say that it was not the pilgrims that uh, started Thanksgiving. It was God. In Deuteronomy, the 26th chapter, you can go to verse 1 all the way down through 19 and, and beyond. God told all of his people to come and bring the first fruits of your land, of your crops, and give thanks, give him thanks for all that he's done for you and all the blessings that he's provided for you. So God started Thanksgiving, not the pilgrims. So when your kids come home from school and say, Mommy, Daddy, did you know that the pilgrims started? No, sorry, son, daughter. They're in there. But thousands of years earlier, God started Thanksgiving, not the pilgrims. Hallelujah. That was free. <laughs> Praise God. Are you all okay? Are you all awake? Did you all get to eat supper? I had leftover pizza. Thank you, Nicole. It was wonderful. <clears throat> And then the Caesar salad that had the croutons in it from two days ago was very soft. Wow. Anyhow, hallelujah, Mark's laughing. <laughs> That's great. That was my dinner. All right, so, you know, the title is called I'm Thankful. And, of course, it's, it's not a cliche. It's not Thanksgiving. You know, we, we always need to be thankful, not just because it's Thanksgiving. And I think most of us know and most of us are thankful, even though it's Thanksgiving all throughout the year. But we do this because it's Thanksgiving, and so we just want to, you know, remind everybody to be thankful for something. And so my title is, I'm Thankful, because I really am thankful for a lot of things. But I want to start out with a story, and a lot of you guys may not know this story. Some of you may have heard this story. I'm going to start out, and it goes like this. Around 2 a.m. on September the 8th, 1860, how many of you guys were alive then? The steamship Lady Elgin collided with the schooner Augusta in the waters in Lake Michigan. How many of you know this story? Raise your hand. I want to see. Ah, so that's how it feels. I know something that you don't. It feels so good. This is, this is great. I love this. I tell my wife that too. 
So that's how it feels when you know something that nobody else knows. What a feeling. All right. <laughs> the Lady Elgin was carrying more than 398 passengers and crew on a round-trip sightseeing tour from Milwaukee to Chicago. About a half hour after being hit, the heavy boilers and steam engines broke through the weakened hull and the ship quickly fell apart. Many passengers drowned and others were left hanging onto small pieces of wreckage. Some reached the shore only to be pulled back into the breakers by a fierce undertow. Later that morning when daylight broke, a Northwestern University student named Edward W. Spencer, who was an experienced mid-20-year-old swimmer, tied a rope to his body and time after time swam through the waves to grab the exhausted passengers. His associates on the other end of the rope then pulled him and the victims back to shore. He battled the breakers for six hours, receiving scrapes and bruises from the waves and being so exhausted that after uh, he saved the 17th passenger, he passed out on the shore. And he woke up in the infirmary asking his brother, did I do my best? <laughs> and out of 398 passengers, less than 100 survived that night and that day. And that was back in 1860. It says, although that he tried to resume his studies, the physical and emotional toll on Spencer had been too severe. He never completed his education. He never became a pastor that he wanted to become and was in a wheelchair for most of his life. Spencer is honored by a plaque in the gymnasium of the Northwestern University, but there is a sad footnote to the story. He was visited years later, and he said that he would hope that he would do all this all over again and change nothing if he had the chance. But he said with tears in his eyes that not one of those rescued ever came back and said thank you. And this leads me to another story in which you all are familiar with. And that, of course, is in Luke, the 17th chapter, and verse 11, and that is the 10 lepers. Most of us know about the 10 lepers, and I thought I'd have some fun tonight. And as I was reading this, and actually I was going to do something completely different, and I had it all wrote out, and then I started reading the 10 lepers, and this felt good, and I, so I felt the Lord told, wanted me to go this way. And so we're going to break down verse by verse and, and have some fun with this tonight, and hopefully you'll learn something that you didn't know. And we're going to start, obviously, in verse 11. And it said, Now it happened, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Side note on this, Galilee is kind of, I guess you would say, where Jesus actually had his headquarters. If he had a place where he had to have all the hate mail sent to, it would probably have been Galilee, his headquarters, okay? I'm sure he would get testimonies as well, but a lot of them hate mails, man. We always get those. We don't hear about the testimonies. So that also in the city of Galilee, where he did 25 miracles, and he also did 19 of the uh, stories or the parables all happened in Galilee. So that was kind of his headquarters. Again, that was also free. All right, let's see, go to verse 12. It says, then as he entered a certain village, there he met 10 men who were lepers, who stood afar off. So right there, I wanted to stop, and I wanted to ask you a question. I got lots of questions for you tonight, and of course, these are questions that I don't want any answers to. They're just questions, okay? And the first question I have is, have you ever seen people in church who stand afar off? Absolutely. 
You know, I go back to the youth every now and then because I, I try to go back and obviously still teach in the kids' church and things like that. I was just in Colorado for five days up with uh, Pastor Tim Bagwell's church. We was up in the mountains. We got to do a lot of stuff with the kids. Kids got healed, set free. Uh, God called out a hip that uh, was in bad shape, and a lady stood up said, that's me, and we prayed for her that she wouldn't have to have double, uh, double hip replacement. That was great. Then Sunday morning and Sunday night and Monday night, I taught back in the kids. We had seven kids saved, seven kids filled with the Holy Ghost. I mean, we had a great time up in Colorado. So obviously, I'm still with the kids. We're still having a blast. But sometimes I move around the church, and I want to see things because I hear things. And so anytime I hear that, you know, a youth especially, I don't have any friends. You know, parents call the church and like, I don't have any friends. And, you know, can you help him get some friends or help her get some friends? Well, okay, all right, what's she doing? I don't know. She just says that nobody talks to her and nobody likes her. And I'm like, hmm, okay. So you walk back there and you just start observing. You sit in the back and, you know, and you're just watching the kids and things like that. But, you know, a lot of those kids that say they don't have any friends and nobody talks to them, they're always afar off. They're always sitting by themselves. They're not talking to anybody. They look like they have a frown on their face. They're not smiling. They might be going through something, but they're not doing anything. And, and obviously, to be friendly, you have to have friends. If you want friends, you've got to be friendly. Yeah? I mean, you got to smile every now and then. You can't be sitting way up in the dark and, and then not playing the games and not answering some of the questions. You know, you might be shy, I get it and all that, but come on, you know, you've got to participate somehow in order to get some friends and, and accumulate some, some people that will talk back to you. You can't just be afar off, you know, doing nothing, sitting by yourself. And how many of that do we see? You know, you come, people come to church and they leave before church is over. Uh, before pastor comes up and, or one of us come up and pray, give a blessing, boom, shoom, they're gone. They're just, they're far off. They don't even stay to the end. Some people come to church after praise and worship. Now they don't even come, well, yeah, you know, eh, praise and worship, I don't need it. So we just come for the word. Okay, stand afar off. You know, and so these guys were like some of that. They stood afar off. People feel rejected, they don't feel loved, they don't feel accepted. You know, something happened to them in another church maybe, and so they just, they don't want to be hurt, and so they want to be alone, they don't want to be touched, they don't want to be shaken, they want to be, just so they, they sit afar off. But you can't expect the love that you deserve, the attention that you deserve if you're afar off. And these lepers, they were afar off. Hallelujah. Now, if you were here Sunday when Pastor Nicole taught and I did the communion, who was here Sunday? Raise your hand if you was here Sunday. Beautiful. Who was not here Sunday? Got you there. Mark, you weren't here Sunday? Okay. All right. Well, in the communion, I read a scripture verse, obviously, where Jesus talked about telling the guys after he had fed all the, all the people and all the kids and all the women, he said, I want you to pick up the crumbs. I want you to pick up the leftovers so none would be lost, Jesus said. All right, so basically, and, and in the end, there were 12 disciples, there were 12 basketfuls that got picked up of crumbs, of leftovers, of broken pieces. And basically what that is saying is that Jesus says that he doesn't want one left out, that all of us, every single one of you in here belong in the basket. No matter 
your background, no matter what you've done, haven't done, what you went through, how big a sinner you were, whatever, you belong in the basket. You're important to Jesus. No matter your background, no matter your color, no matter anything, we all belong in the basket. Because we are all sons and we are all daughters of the Most High God. There's no respecter of persons in Jesus. We all have the same rights. We all have the same privileges. We all can go to him, ask what he wants. I know a lot of people think joint heirs. Man, that's tough to get through your brain. But man, it's amazing. We are right there with Jesus. Not here, but here. But here's where it separates. Sometimes when I go to Africa, I'll do an object lesson, and it's a little hard to do at times because I'll take a big thing of Oreo cookies, double-stuffed Oreo cookies, of course, and we'll go out there, and, you know, those kids have never seen Oreo cookies. You know, and so there'll be two, sometimes 2,000, sometimes 3,000 kids out there, you know, and I'm standing there, and, of course, Harry Ronda, my interpreter, he's there with me, and most of the time I don't need him. They, they understand English very well. But I'll, I'll take that thing of Oreo cookies and I'll take it out and I'll, I'll show the package and I'll say, these are American Oreo double stuffed cookies. And the kids, ooh, you know. And I'll look over at my, my helper there, Harry. I'll say, Harry, smell that. And he'll, he'll, hmm, wow, look at the package. It looks fantastic. Then I'll open the package up and I'll say, Harry, smell that. And he'll smell and go, wow. I'll go to the front row of the kids. I'll say, take a whiff of that. Whoa, wow, isn't that awesome? And then I'll say, now, who would like to have one of these? 3,000 kids, raise their hands. I pray over them, and then three, no, I'm just, no, <laughs> no, I don't do that. But uh, I, I pick a kid here, I, pick, I usually pick about three kids. I say, well, come on up, come on up, come on up. I say, now, Harry, grab one of these cookies. And Harry grabs a cookie, and I kind of do this before the kids come up there, and Harry grabs one, and I grab one, and I mean, listen, the kids are like a dog on a bone, they are watching us, and their eyes are going to our mouths as we're eating the cookie, and we're going, mm, my gosh, it's so good, Harry, is that awesome? And he's like, oh, Pastor Omni, this is amazing, man, this is so good, you know, and it's just so much fun, we're going back and forth, and then I'll grab the cookie, and I'll go to eat it, and I'll go, <sighs> and I'll look out there, and the kids' mouths are open just like mine. It's great. And I'm like, I can't eat in front of them. I turn around, and they're all laughing. I'll make a big show of it. Finally, the kids, I give them a cookie. I say, you want one? Yes. You want one? Yes. You want. And they're eating the cookie as I'm talking. And then I look at them, Do, would you like another one? Yes, yes. Would you like? Yes, yes. They know. Sometimes I get through it, and there's like five cookies that are gone. And then finally, some of the kids, one of the kids say, oh, no more. No more. You don't want another one? No. Do you want another one? Yes. Do you want another one? Yes. And then finally, the second kid, no more. No more. There's always a kid out there that'll eat the whole pack. I mean, he'll take every one you give him. He'll just keep on taking, keep on taking. And I tell the kids like this. I say, listen, the kingdom of God is like this, like these three kids. God is no respecter where he loves you, you, and you the same. But where it starts to get different is this. Some people only want this much of God, and they don't want no more. Some kids only want this much of God and they don't want more. And then some kids want it all. They'll take everything they get. Man, they're reading that Bible. Man, they're praying. They're praying in the Holy Ghost. They're going to church every Sunday. They're praying on the side. They're doing whatever they get. And so this is where it's different because this kid's getting more results because he's not standing afar off. 
He's right there. Everything the pastor says, he's doing. He's, by faith, he's doing this and this. This kid, eh, a little bit. This kid, eh, maybe not so much. Kind of like the 30, 60, and 100-fold. And yet, then there's people that are jealous in church because, well, how come they're so blessed? Well, they give the whole tithe. They don't just give 25 bucks and their paycheck is $400 a week. They give their whole tithe. So they have no needs. And you got this kid over here. Well, yeah, he does this. Well, well, well how, come, how come he got healed and I didn't? Well, guess what? He stood on the word. Hello? You can't be far off and expect to get everything that God wants for you. Even though he loves us all and we all belong in the basket. And he wants the best for all of us. So, However much you put in is what you're going to get out. Hallelujah. Are you getting this? Praise the Lord. All right, well, let's keep moving on here. We only have a couple hours tonight, so praise God. (laughs) Hallelujah. All right, let's go to verse uh, 13. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus. Wow. So the point there with that part of the scripture is this. If you want God's attention you got to open up your mouth. you got to open up. How was the world created? He said. He didn't just point. He didn't murmur. He didn't whine. He didn't complain. He didn't pout. He said. You want God's attention? You have to speak up. You have to open up your mouth. Blind Bartimaeus, what did he do? Man, he, he heard he was there. And so he opened up his mouth, and he was yelling, making a scene. And the devil didn't want him to make a scene. The devil tried shutting him up. Shut up, old man. Shut up, boy. I mean, who knows how they treated him. I'm sure it wasn't good. Back up, dog. But he didn't care. He continued to open up his mouth and yell, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he got his attention. You want God's attention? Open up your mouth. Hallelujah. Speak the word. Shout the word. Whatever you have to do, you have to do it. These guys were rejects. They were unclean. They were ignored. They were shunned by the public. I'm sure they even were forgot about by some people. I guarantee you they were lonely. But what did they do? Standing afar off, they shouted Jesus. They had nothing to lose. Nothing at all to lose. Hmm. But guess what? They went even just a little bit further than that. They not only lifted up their voices and said Jesus, but they called him Master. Master. So my second question to you tonight is this. He might be Jesus to you, But is he your master? I probably should be teaching this on Sunday morning. Man, this is the Wednesday night crowd. Hallelujah. This is the faith crowd. Praise the Lord. He might be Jesus, but is he your savior? He might be Jesus. Is he your Lord? Have you given him every single part of your life? Or are you holding something back? He knows everything, y'all. He sees everything we do. 
I don't know why we hide stuff from him or we think we're hiding something from him. We need to completely surrender everything to him. Then he will be completely your master, your savior, your Lord, your healer, your helper, everything that you need him to be. Hallelujah. Amen. The verse 13 even goes a step further than that. They lifted up their voices. They said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. Mercy is where God gives you something that you do not deserve. And let me tell you, I'll be the first to tell you, I do not deserve mercy. (laughs) I deserve hell. I deserve weeping and gnashing of teeth. We all do. For the wages of sin is death. And we've all sinned. But thank God for mercy. For mercy. I don't know how many times I've said, God have mercy on my miserable soul. We all need mercy. And they knew it also. Jesus, Master, please have mercy on us. And we know that Jesus is compassionate. He is caring. Amen? If not, he wouldn't have asked all the fragments to be put in the basket so none is lost. He doesn't want none lost. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Mm, 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 mm. Verse 14. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. Here's another question. When God tells you to do something, do you do it? Or do you complain? Wait a minute, God. Hold up. I have leprosy. My ear is gone. Because that's what that is, a skin disease, horrific disease. Parts of your body would start to just fall off. Noses, ears, fingers. It was horrendous. A horrendous disease. Jesus, I mean, I only got one foot, dude. I was supposed to go where? Go to the priests? Listen, they had to go back to Jerusalem. They were outside of Samaria toward Galilee. That is about a 40-mile walk today. 40-mile walk. Ten lepers. Who knows how long they had leprosy? Who knows what stages of leprosy they were each in? I mean, some of them may not have had an ear or whatever because they stood such a far off. They didn't want to give him anything. And Jesus didn't touch them, not that he couldn't, some he did in scripture verse, but he didn't touch them, he didn't pray for them, he said, go, go see the priest. Why? Because the priest was the doctor as well back then. So he had to go see the priest, he was also the doctor, when he said you were healed, you could go back into society. If the priest said no, guess what? You got to get back to where you were, you're not going back into society. So they had to go show themselves to the priest to get approval that they were healed and show that they were healed. So it's a 40-mile walk. But Jesus, hold up now. You don't understand. Who's going to take me there? You don't know my circumstances. Jesus, if you only knew what I went through, why? Why do we have to go see the priest, Jesus? Why? What's the plan? What are we going to do when we go see the priest? I'm I'm still sick. You know, I I go to the priest to be healed. I, I don't understand. Could you please, could you dumb it down a little bit more for us, Master, Savior? We do this. We do this. We just don't take him at his word at times. Look at your neighbor and say, just do what Jesus says to do. See, some of you didn't even do that, Erica. (laughs) 
disobedience <laughs> at its best. Well, we, if we'll just do what Jesus says to do, by the time you get to where you're going to be, you'll have your results. You'll have your healing. You'll have the money. The bills will be paid. Come on, somebody. Woo! Get excited. I hope you can get a little excited on a Tuesday night. Man, the turkey's in the oven. It's okay. It's going to be okay. <laughs> Glory to the Lamb. Woo! Tough crowd. Verse 15. It says here, and one of them, well, let me go back to 14. So when he saw them, he said to them, go, show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. So it looks like they didn't have any excuses. They didn't make any excuses for themselves. No matter what shape they were in, they quickly obeyed. They just, okay, let's go. Well, you're not going to lay hands on us? Well, what are we, chopped liver here? Well, wow, okay, Jesus, uh, thought you were better than that. We heard so much about you. All right, well, I guess we're out of here. Let's go, guys. Jeez. No, I don't hear any complaining, any whining. Boom, they just left. It didn't say that they was moving slowly. It didn't say anything. It said they left. And as they went, the Bible said, as they went, they were cleansed. 15, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he returned and with a what? I couldn't hear you. What? With a loud voice, he glorified God. With a loud voice, he glorified God. Isn't it amazing that before people get their miracle, they're regular church attenders? Whoops. <laughs> Yikes. I'm sitting back, I'm thinking of this stuff as I'm reading these scripture verses. Wow. Yeah, okay, that guy got healed. Yeah, that was, but, but where'd he go? What? Where, I haven't seen him for years. What? I remember a person in the second church building, he had had all these crazy things on his body because the pain was so bad, he could like push buttons and pain would go away because his nerves were shot. And so anytime he had pain, he'd just push a button and it would like shock him. And he had shock inside his skin. It was, they were built in. He came to church one day, and he had been attending church, had a prayer service. He came up, got prayed for. He was healed. He came back. I don't know if it was two weeks later or whatever. I just remember him. He came back, and he said, I got a testimony. He was praising God with a loud voice. And he had those things in his hand, and he threw them up on the stage. Anybody remember that? You do. But anybody else remember that? Ed remembers that. Okay. He threw them up on the stage. There were a bunch of white-looking things and all that stuff. He got healed. Man, we were praising God with him. We were rejoicing. We were shouting. He had no pain in his body, nothing. And the guy disappeared like Jimmy Hoffa. I mean, gone. Never to be seen again. Where did the guy go? I, who knows? Never said goodbye. Never said sayonara. I mean, just disappeared. History. I'm like, what? Okay, God healed you here. Why? Why don't you? I don't. <sighs> I have no answers for that. When people are in pain, they attend church. When they're sick in their body, they never miss a Sunday. When their marriage is crumbling, 
They're sitting right in the pews, praying for healing. They're in church when they're broke, when they don't have jobs. But when they get their miracle, when they prayed and they've tithed and they sowed seeds and they've given their time and they get the job of a lifetime, when the marriage is restored and healed, when their body is healed, then they're set free when they're delivered, when they get the raise of a lifetime, they just disappear. Hmm. I don't understand that. They buy a house in Florida. We're going to move to Florida. Okay. All right. Hmm. I don't get that. But the Bible says, this is a I'm thankful message, okay? (laughs) I'm thankful message. But the Bible said that one man came back and with a loud voice, he glorified God. See, here's the thing about this. The Bible didn't say that Jesus told him as he was at his feet, yelling and screaming and with a loud voice glorifying him, he didn't go, shh, stop, stop, quit touching me, stop, okay, I get it, get up, shh, quiet, now, it's okay, we get it, everybody sees you now, you're making a scene, you're making a scene, stop. The Bible didn't say that at all. Didn't say anything like that. He was loud. He was glorifying God. He was praising him. Jesus didn't try to stop him at all. Didn't say calm down. Shh, be a little quieter. All right? It's it's okay. You don't have to praise me that loud. I get it. Didn't say that at all. No, he let it happen. And yet, in a lot of churches here, we're just so quiet. We're just, we just, we're behaving. We're behaving, quiet. We're, we're honoring the Lord. Okay, we're, we're giving him, we're just, we're just honoring, we're, we're respecting Jesus and we're praising him. Oh, we're, we're so reverent. Isn't that just so peaceful? God, don't you just love that right there? Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for healing me and setting me free. Oh, Jesus. I don't read that in my Bible anywhere. Matter of fact, when I went over to the Old Testament and I looked in Psalms 150, verse 5, it says, praise him with clashing symbols. Clashing symbols. Is clashing symbols soft? I, I, if Jesh was up here, I'd tell him, play a clashing symbol for us and let us know what that sounds like, Jesh. I'm sure it would be loud. We're to praise him with a clashing symbol. And in Psalms 98, 4, it says, shout. It said, shout for joy to the Lord. That sure ain't quiet. That sure ain't a peaceful sound. It says, shout for joy to the Lord. All the earth burst into jubilant song with music. I don't know. I mean, I guess you could play a hymn like that. You can burst it out into jubilant song. I'm sure we can. But that's, I don't see anything about praising the Lord here where it's supposed to be quiet. Man, we're supposed to shout. I guarantee you, when they went around Jericho, they weren't, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. That wall is coming down. I know it's coming down. You said it was coming down, Father. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. No, 
Man, he sent out the musicians first. Man, I mean, listen, they were playing loud. They were dancing. They were singing. Woo! They were having a time. I mean, come on. David, what did he do? He danced till his clothes fell off, baby. I didn't see, gee, I didn't see God going, David, now calm down. David, I can see your stuff, bro. Calm down. Stop. No, he didn't. Man, he danced and danced and danced until his clothes. The only people that didn't like it was his wife. And let me tell you how I know that God said, that's okay, I like what you're doing. I love you dancing and singing and making a fool of yourself for me because when his wife said, shut up, dude, stop it. Man, you're so dumb. What are you doing? God, what did he do to her? Bam, closed her her womb, could not have any kids because of that right there. That tells me that God loves it when we praise loud. He loves it when we shout. He loves it when we glorify him, making loud noises, clashing those cymbals. Come on, putting the bass on. Boom, boom, boom. I mean, praising. He loves that stuff. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Shout for joy to the Lord, the Bible says. Woo! Hallelujah. Mm-mm-mm. Praise God. All right. Well, let's go on to verse 16 here. It says, uh, let's just go back to 15. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice he glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said to him, were there not ten cleansed? Hmm. Uh, But where are the other nine? So he's down there. He's praising God with a loud voice. He's being really loud. People are starting to look around, and Jesus is like, uh, hey, bro, bro, hey, listen, calm down for a minute. Weren't there, weren't there 10 of y'all? Hey, listen, shh. Hey, look up at me for a second, okay? Weren't there 10 of you? Where's the other nine at? He's looking over the hill. Oh, they got it. Did I count wrong? Let's see, one, two. It was a far off. Let me see. Yeah, one, two, three. Yeah, there was, there was 10, and there's only one here. Maybe they're coming over that hill. Where, where are they at? Dude, there was 10. Where, where's the other nine? Listen, Samaritan, where's the other nine? And the Samaritan, remember, they were dogs to Jews. Remember? They were half-breeds. They called them half-breeds because they used to be Israelites, but they went against the law. They did things they weren't supposed to. They was was marrying outside of their culture, outside of their tribes, and of course, so they were completely hated by the Jews. So the other nine, who apparently must have been Jews, because it said this Samaritan here, is the only one that came back. Where's the other ones? Where's the other ones? Now, okay, I get it. It was a 40-mile jog back to Jerusalem. But this guy, as he saw that he was completely healed, he stopped. Now, I guarantee you he was walking with the other ones. Now, whether the other ones got it at the same time, I don't know. But when I hear Jesus say, there was nine more. Where are they? I have a feeling that they were also healed probably about the same time. Or Jesus wouldn't say, where's the other nine? And obviously the Samaritan didn't really know the Jewish customs of the time, you know, because he wasn't a Jew, so he didn't know that, well, what does it mean? Why are we, he, he, as they're walking, he's probably tugging on the other guy's arm very softly because he might lose it. 
You know, why are we going to the priest? What, what, what does the priest have to do with anything? Tell me, man. Talk to me. What, what are we doing? What are we doing? Well, we got to go back to the priest because the priest is kind of like the doctor. If we show him over here, then we're okay. Oh, oh, okay, okay. I, he didn't really know because he wasn't, didn't know the Jewish customs. But when he saw that, oh my gosh, oh my, oh, I feel strength again. I, I, I'm whole again. Wow. Listen, guys, come on. Let's go back. I'm going, I'm going. You want to go? You want to go? No, man, we got to go see the priest. Jesus said go see the priest. Yeah, okay, I'm going to go see the priest, but I got to, listen, I got to go. You, anybody want to come? You coming? You coming? I'm going. I'm going. And he went back, man, shouting, Jesus, woo, hallelujah, thank you. Thank you. Wow. Why didn't they come? Why didn't they follow him? I don't know. Maybe there they were like my wife, and she is to the letter, to the T. Jesus said, go see the priest. He didn't say, come back to him. Go see the priest. We're going to see the priest. She crossed the T, dotted the I. That's my wife. He said, do this. We're going to do this. Honey, come on. That's me. Come on. Live a little, baby. (laughs) Randy, now we got to do this. Okay, all right. Jeez. But here's the thing. 